0: You're listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded at the studio of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. Dr. Lisa Belial is a physician trained in family and preventative medicine, acupuncture, and public health. She offers medical care and acupuncture at Brunswick Family Medicine. Read more about her integrative approach to wellness in Maine Magazine. Here are some highlights from this week's program.
1: Hopefully, that is the, the direction that will continue in the future, is more collaboration between providers who truly have the best interest of the patient at heart, and that we can realize that we can work together, rather than thinking that it's only one way to do it
2: birth kind of begins as the baby's crowning, that really the birthing process is those days, weeks, and months initially after the baby arrives to the family, and that that was the process that we wanted families to have more support for that entire process, not just the number of hours that meant the labor.
3: Having some additional support I think is so valuable so that you can look across to a partner and say with your eyes or with a thumbs up that this is exactly the sound that you want to hear, or this is really hard, but she's doing this and and we're going to keep moving forward. And just encouragement for something that's unknown is really valuable.
0: The Dr. Lisa radio hour and podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors, Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Dream Kitchen Studios, Harding Lee Smith of The Rooms, and Bangor Savings Bank.
4: This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast. Show number 139, The Birth Team, airing for the first time on Sunday, May eleventh, two 2014, which also happens to be Mother's Day. Birth is arguably the most important of all life events. The way in which we come into the world and bring our children into the world has a far-reaching impact. Today, we speak with individuals who are thinking about birth in new and interesting ways. Listen in on our conversations with Portland OBGYN Dr. Anne Rainville and doulas Jody Finney and Leah Daragon of Birth Roots and hear about the evolution of this process and how young Maine families are bringing life into our state. Thank you for being with us on Mother's Day. I always enjoy having people in the studio with me who um, were part of my teaching experience, my learning experience as a resident and medical student at Maine Medical Center here in Portland. Um, Today I have with me one of these individuals, Dr. Ann Rainville, who is an obstetrician gynecologist. She has been practicing in the Portland area for over 22 years and is very experienced in taking care of normal and complicated pregnancies. She is also a skilled surgeon and trained in acupuncture. Thanks so much for coming in today. Oh, you're very welcome. I remember well the deliveries that I did um, under your watch and and with you, and um, it was a a very good experience. As a family medicine resident, when I came in, um, there was a broad variety of approaches that the OBGYNs would take, and yours was always very calm and um, happy, despite the late hour, and your patients enjoyed having you as a physician, and... um, and I think that that's a huge part of delivering babies and caring for women.
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, I think that it's um, it's been amazing to me the difference that it can make to have a, a very um, personal connection with um, the person you're taking care of in labor and delivery there's um, a lot of intent tangibles there in terms of someone really feeling comfortable with you as a provider feeling that you know you are working together um, to um, be able to have this beautiful baby it's really it's uh, it's pretty it for me the most rewarding thing I get out of my my personal my professional career is being able to deliver patients that I know well, because it really it's it adds a special um, uh, dimension to the delivery.
4: Tell me why you decided to become an obstetrician-gynecologist.
1: Well, I had absolutely no idea that I was, it was not even on my radar when I went to medical school. I thought I was going to be a, at the time I said, you know, general practitioner. Um, and of course, I'm still very interested in all aspects of, of medicine. But when I um, did my medical school training and I did um, obstetrics, it was my first delivery. I was just, I, I loved surgery. When I did my surgery rotation, I found that I was really sort of, Technically, it seemed like something that I was sort of, I gravitated towards, but I didn't feel that it was a good fit for me until I did OBGYN and I saw my first delivery. It was, I to myself, I said, why would anybody want to do anything else? Um, but um, obviously, a lot of people <laughs> don't feel that way, but it um, it's never, what we say in obstetrics is that you don't choose obstetrics, it chooses you. And it's absolutely true. You don't really have a choice.
4: Did you know you wanted to be a doctor from early on?
1: Yes. I remember eight years old. I have no idea why I wanted to be a doctor, but I just was always interested in anything that had anything to do with medicine. Um, and it's interesting because there's no one in my family that was in medicine, but I just was interested in it. And from a very early age, decided that that's what I wanted to do.
4: And Why did you choose Maine?
1: Well, I'm from Maine. I grew up in Maine. I, grew, I, uh, was, uh, I actually bo- was born in Kittery. And um, for the first eight years of my life, I uh, lived in New Hampshire, in Portsmouth, very close. And then we moved to Bangor. And, um, and I grew up in Bangor. And um, just, I love Maine and wanted to come back.
4: So you've been sort of everywhere in the corridor between Kittery and two hours, three hours north.
1: Well, I did my medical school training in Vermont, University of Vermont. So I was in Burlington for four years. And then when I finished my my medical school training, I said I wanted to go someplace different for residency. I wanted to branch out, see what it was like to live in a city. So that's why I went to Washington, D.C., And I loved Washington, D.C. It was very fun for four years to live there. But it was very clear to me after six months that I was not an inner city person and I needed to be back um, in Maine. So that was my goal.
4: What have you noticed over the last 22 years practicing medicine here in Portland? How have things changed for you as a doctor and for medicine in general? In general.
1: Well, there's actually been quite a change that I've noticed. Um in specifically in OBGYN, there was a big change from when I first started practicing. There are a lot of relatively small to medium-sized private OBGYN groups that were um, practicing independently but would cover each other. And um, so there and that has really changed, morphed over the 20 years that I've been in practice to really being mostly two large, very large groups and only um, a couple of other smaller groups. And the independent solo OBGYN practitioner is um, a bit of a dinosaur. There really are only two of us that are still doing obstetrics um, and our solo practitioner, we happen to cover each other, which um, help, which is uh, fortunate for both of us. but there's been a big change from that sort of small group to the larger group. Um, so that's one big change. Um, there has but obstetrics in general has changed in a very positive direction um, in terms of looking at obstetrics in a um, a more, um, sort of wellness perspective in terms of looking at labor as being a normal process and trying to do less intervention and trying to encourage um, the low-risk sort of non-interventional labors a lot more than we ever did. So it's interesting, although the groups seem to be getting bigger and one would think, you know, you know, a little bit, you know, less personal in terms of because you know may not see the the person that you've been seeing in the office in in, in reality it's actually becoming a lot more personal in the hospital with a lot more um, hands-on with the nursing a lot more encouragement of more natural processes of labor um, but allowing people if they want you know what's available to have it um, but it's it seems like there's there's this nice push to kind of look at things a little bit more um, in a non-interventional way. So it's that is a very good, a positive direction.
4: Why do you think that's happening?
1: I think that, um, to be quite honest, I think it's the um, increase in women in OBGYN. I mean, uh, ob is pretty much a primarily um, female-dominated Dominant profession, and I think that with that, with a lot of um, physicians who have also had children and are looking at things in a little bit of a different way in terms of what they experience in their labor, what they would like for their patients, that that there's been a little bit more incorporation of other. Um, types of obstetrical practices such as midwifery practices looking at that more objectively in terms of what do midwives do very very well you know what what is good about what they do how can we incorporate that into general you know into modern obstetrics so that we can all work together to allow women to have the best safest and most um, rewarding experience for having a child so i think that it's it's sort of you know the the infusion of people who've actually been through it um... also the open-mindedness to look at other ways of doing things and to actually look at it objectively and then to incorporate it it's very very positive that's what's happened between the main body, you know, uh, the American Congress of Obstetrics and Gynecology, Gynecology, um, which is kind of the ruling body of OBGYN, and the um, the midwife administration has been now coming together and looking more at a collaborative practice between doctors and midwives. and. And hopefully that is the, the direction that will continue in the future, is more collaboration between providers who truly have the best interest of the patient at heart, and that we can realize that we can work together, rather than going at it from, you know, thinking that's only one way to do it. So it's really, it's, it's very encouraging to me to see that, um, that there seems to be that, that direction. You have children? I do. I have two. How old are your yeah. kids? Um, my oldest is almost twenty-four, and my youngest is almost—he's uh, twenty. Yep.
4: So, yep. have you noticed a difference mm-hmm. between your own deliveries and the deliveries you're now doing with women?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, when um, when I had my my daughter twenty, you know, four years ago, um, I had to be induced, um, and um, the. Um, the way that I was induced was um, a little bit more intense than the way that we um, do inductions the, uh, at this time. And um, also, um, I was given an episiotomy. And we don't do those anymore. And um, so it's it was very, um, I mean, I did get an epidural. I have no qualms about having that epidural i needed it um but um it uh it so so a lot of it is the same but there was but the obstetrical sort of more sort of interventional obstetrics was a little bit different than what we do now
4: here on the dr lisa radio hour and podcast we've long recognized the link between health and wealth here to speak more on the topic is tom shepherd of shepherd financial
5: get out of your comfort zone I can't tell you how many times I've been told that and how many times those words make me nervous. After all, I'm in that zone because it's comfortable. Why on earth would I want it any other way? But needless to say, when I do push myself, whether it's on the lacrosse field or in my business life or family, the same thing happens. I find growth. I'm able to take on a new challenge because I had the courage to face the unfamiliar and what I perceive to be my limitations. So, if you're feeling complacent and a little too comfortable, it may be time to push your limits a little bit and discover new things about living. This is true about money. If you're comfortable just paying your bills, you may be uncomfortable having money. If you have savings, you may be uncomfortable investing it. If you are a giver, you may feel guilty about receiving. Give us a call at Shepherd Financial and we will help introduce you to the walls, other rooms and doors of your big comfortable house. Moving around is key to evolving with your money.
0: Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Flagship Harbor Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Flagship Harbor Advisors and Shepherd Financial are separate entities from LPL Financial. The Dr. Lisa radio hour and podcast is brought to you by Dream Kitchen Studio by Matthew Brothers. Whether your style is contemporary, traditional or eclectic, their team of talented designers are available to assist you in designing the kitchen or bath of your dreams. For more information, visit www.dreamkitchenstudio.com. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines carefully prepared by experienced professionals, coupled with care and attention, focused on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled, you need attention, advice, and individual care. Visit their website apothecarybydesign.com or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way it was meant to be.
4: If you are a healthcare provider and listener of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, we invite you to the second lecture in our Apothecary by Design lecture series to be held at 75 Market Street here in Portland. Our second lecture is with Dr. Kristen McKelvin, a Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast guest and expert in the field of Lyme disease. She will be holding a discussion of Lyme disease and her naturopathic medical view on the disease on May 28th at 5 p.m. At her talk, Dr. McKelvin will review general tick-borne illness information, including diagnosis and testing, and treatment options using both conventional and complementary therapies. This is a great opportunity for practitioners to gather reputable resources for use in their clinical practice. Visit apothecarybydesign.com for more information. I hope to see you there. When I was doing deliveries, and granted this was a while ago, what I observed was um, the more support a patient was given, the more time a patient was given, the more, um, I don't know, calming presence mm-hmm. a patient had available, the fewer interventions there were in general. I mean, now, of course, there's always babies that, you know, there are emergencies that happen and, you know, things that go on and you can't really prevent those. But in general, if you can have more of the human touch and more of that presence, mm-hmm. you're better off. But that, for a while, was not a direction we were heading in.
1: You're absolutely right. Um, and I think that that is another change that has happened in obstetrics is this, this um, the realization that we need to be more patient, you know, and that, you know, there's, there are numerous studies that are coming out now about waiting longer, that if we just wait longer, if we're just a little bit more, you know, more patient with it, that people can deliver vaginally and can deliver safely. And, um, and I, and I totally agree with you. I think that the more contact that, uh, somebody has when they're going through, I mean, labor is a very difficult process, you know, it's a very difficult process. And having somebody with you that you that is supporting you and is calming and letting you know, this is normal, you know, don't worry about it, you know, we're not going to do anything, you know, interventional at this point we can just keep going with it you know that that this is normal and reassuring all the time it does it helps people to need less intervention because then they help then they allow their body to take over and sometimes I feel like my biggest job is just staying out of the way um, and allowing it just to happen.
4: It also seems that, as with many things in medicine, I mean, we're starting to recognize the importance of what we call the patient-centered medical home, which is really a team approach to um, caring for a primary care patient. It seems as though this this team is something that has become important in birth as well. I mean, the my best friends when I was delivering babies for that brief period of time were people who were experienced labor and delivery nurses and midwives and, and doulas, and it really was a group of people who all had the same goal in mind. And it sounds like this is actually even more the case now. I,
1: th- I think so and and I think that that's something that really I stress um, to the um, the residents that I teach is that that it's a team and that they need to use the um, the resources that they have and the best resource that they have to help them take care of their patient is, the experienced labor and delivery nurse. And, um, and I think that sometimes when, you know, when you're a medical student, and then you get into be a resident, you know, you're just you think that, oh, I have to take care of everything. And, you know, I have to have all my ducks in a row. And, and you forget that, you know, you need to use your resources. And, and it is it is definitely a team and everybody has a part you know and everybody who's there who's supporting that woman in labor has a job and it's an important job you know whether it's you know the 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 sister who is there to get the face cloth the cold face cloth and put it on her or forehead that is an important job and everybody who's there is important and i think that that that's very um, like I said that's really important to me to stress that to the, the residents who they're coming up is you know oftentimes I've talked to them and I said you know what's going on with the patient they're trying to I said what does the nurse what does the nurse think and they're like well wait a minute I said you know that is your number one resource to help you is the nurse she knows is she the person in labor what are their contractions like you know. You know, that's use use all everyone in the team to take care of that patient.
4: Another group of individuals that we um, didn't have as much exposure to when I was a resident um, was the was the were the doulas. The doulas, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that has really the one the patients that had doulas. It seemed as though um, it, they were just sort of a very comforting and competent extended family for yes. these mm-hmm. patients. Um, and I'm really happy to know that there are more and more women and men who are becoming doula's mm-hmm. and supporting women who are laboring.
1: Yeah, I think that it's. I think it's sometimes very difficult for the um, the primary support person that you know, the significant other, you know, to be the only one to support someone in labor when they've never seen it before. They don't, you know, they, you know, they're so torn between their own excitement you know what's going on with the person that they that they love they're in pain you know what did they want you know that it's it's just I think sometimes it's a little bit too much to put on somebody who you know has never been in that position before and so I think that that sometimes that's where the doula really helps a lot to have another person to be able to help not just the person in labor but the other partner to kind of be able to, you know, get through this journey in the best way possible, and um, and I think you know I've worked with many doulers, doulas. doulas. Um, I you know anybody who is there in the room to help the patient, I am willing to work with, and I am happy that they're there, and um, and I think that you know the really if there are more people that are there to support somebody,
4: the better. It used to be that doctors were the source of information for patients, yep. and we had the ability to provide some, I guess, calm and perspective, and And now a lot of information comes from other sources. And sometimes information can be scary. It can be helpful. It can be normalizing, um, but it can also be scary. So is there a way that you, as a doctor, um, are able to work with the information that's out there and work with the people who have this information and really make it a positive thing.
1: Well, I try to, I run up against this all the time because, um, you know, every day in the office when I see patients, you know, somebody brings something up, you know, that they saw something online, you know, that, or their, their friend or their mother or someone told them something. And I think that the, the important thing is to first to validate what's that. Yes, I understand. You know where you got that information, and to say that you know there may be some truth to whatever it may be that they're very concerned about that. But then I try to bring it back down, bring them back down to to kind of to earth, to base, to say, okay, but what does that really mean for you? You know, and you know what is your situation how is that different from this scary thing that you that you heard about and and even if that scary thing happens you know i know we know how to do, deal with that you know you're going to be in a safe place you're going to be with people who know how to deal thing with with the things such as that and i think that it it really i think that that's the way to deal with it rather than just say oh don't worry about it because then they're still worrying about it you know, and I think that that you need to kind of just explain. You know, yes, I know about those things, but that's why it doesn't pertain to you. Or if it does, you know, we can deal with it.
4: You've been practicing quite a while now. Yeah, <laughs> some of the yep. first babies um, you've delivers, yeah. delivered delivered yep. they are um, in their twenties, having yep. their own babies. Mm-hmm. I bet. Yep. What keeps you? passionate what keeps you excited what keeps you interested in being a doctor being an obstetrician gynecologist
1: well I guess one, one time I said you know I keep doing deliveries because I haven't done it perfectly yet so I guess that that's one thing is but it's because it is changing and and the way that I practice obstetrics now is very different than the way I practiced 20 years ago and it's that that freshness you know trying to to find the way, to do it better. That's what keeps it, me going. And also, it's, the, it's my patience, you know, that interpersonal connection. And, you know, like I, I told you, I did a delivery this morning, you know, it's of, a, of a, someone that is close to me. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing. I mean, not many
4: people can do that.
1: It's uh, pretty special.
4: And we have yeah. to let you go because I know you have another person laboring right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we don't want her to deliver before no, you're finished right, talking exactly. to us. How do yep. people find out about your practice, Dr. Rainville? Well, um, I do have
1: a website, um, and it's called uh, women's wellness, uh, w- womenswellnesscare.com. And, um, or they can just look me up on the web on, as Ann Rainville, MD. It'll just link right to my site. But I'm in practice in Portland, Maine, um, on uh, Ocean Avenue. Um, and um, and uh, we have lots of services to offer, not just um, OBGYN as well. well. I, I like yeah. the
4: fact that you also do acupuncture. As someone who does that, acupuncture mm-hmm. and, and knows how important that yeah. is to have in my toolbox, I really appreciate that that's one of the things you have in your toolbox. So. I'm impressed. All right. I haven't seen you in a little (laughs) while. I I really Mm -hmm. appreciate um, your being one of my early teachers as a medical student and a resident. It meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Then it means a lot to me that you've come in today and having this conversation with me. um, It just is, it's great to know that there are doctors out in the world who are doing the good work that you're doing on a daily basis. And I know that your patients love you and I appreciate your being here.
1: Well, thank you very much.
4: As a physician and small business owner, I rely on Marcy Booth from Booth, Maine, to help me with my own business and to help me live my own life fully. Here are a few thoughts from Marcy. The numbers never lie.
2: It's a phrase we've all heard hundreds, if not thousands of times. But as trite as it may be, it really is one of the golden truths of business and personal finance. And while it takes discipline to keep your eye on the numbers, to look at what are sometimes difficult truths When you do it regularly, two things happen. It becomes easier over time, and you truly start to understand what the numbers actually mean and how you can make
4: your life better. I'm Marcy Booth. Let's talk about the changes you need. BoothMaine.com.
0: This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With RE-MAX Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is brought to you by Bangor Savings Bank. For over 150 years... Bangor Savings has believed in the innate ability of the people of Maine to achieve their goals and dreams. Whether it's personal finance, business banking, or wealth management assistance you're looking for, at Bangor Savings Bank, you matter more. For more information, visit www.bangor.com. It's
4: Mother's Day, and as a mother of three and a woman that... Gave birth. Well, it seems like a long time ago now. I guess the longest to the my youngest is thirteen. I know how important birth is, and the process of going through birth is something that can be um, made easier in some ways by people who are known as doulas. Today we are. Fortunate to have with us Leah Darragon and Jody Finney. Leah Darragon is a doula, certified childbirth educator, and co-founder of Birth Roots Perinatal Resource Center in Portland, where she facilitates semi-annual doula trainings and childbirth classes. Leah has a five-year-old son and a one-year-old daughter. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. And we also have Jody Finney. She is a full-time birth and postpartum doula. She has worked with moms of all ages in both high and low risk pregnancies, medicated and unmedicated. She also works at Birth Roots, where she is the office manager and facilitates the welcoming pregnancy class. Well, welcome to you, Jody. Thank you, thanks for having us. Why did you call it Birth Roots? Uh, Emily, Murray,
2: and I, as the co-founders, were actually this is our 10-year anniversary. So 10 years ago, we were um, we were both doulas, primarily birth doulas, attending families through their last weeks of their pregnancy, with them for their birth, and with them for the initial hours and a couple of weeks after they gave birth. And we realized that while this was an incredible service, service that some families were able to access, we wanted to provide that same model of non-clinical care in a much broader context and we realized that the experience of birth is not just um, did the baby make it to the other side of the pelvis and is everyone doing okay physically but that there's a whole emotional component that the birth um, sets the tone or the stage for the layers of parenting that come after that and so it was a rooting process of in much the way a tree um, has a root system. We have a quote up in our space at Birth Roots called the deeper the roots the higher the reach and we really believed in that vision or that metaphor that if The experience, not just of the hours of labor and the first day after the baby was born, but the entire pregnancy and the entire first year of life was well-supported, that the family would take root in a really different way, that there would be less um, anxiety, less adrenaline, more oxytocin, and that by being rooted in a community, specifically among other families who were also going through this very raw, vulnerable time in their lives, rather than feel isolated and like they were maybe feeling like they were crazy or the only one or why is this so hard, if they were rooted in a community of other parents who were exploring ways to parent, who were exploring how it could be less hard, not just giving birth, but... I think um, at birth roots, and I think most doulas would agree, that the birth kind of begins as the baby's crowning, that really the birthing process is those days, weeks, and months initially after the baby arrives to the family, um, and that that was the process that we wanted to have. um, We wanted families to have more support for that entire process, not just the number of hours that meant the labor.
4: So Birth Roots, you said, is 10 years old? 10 years old this year. And you have a 5-year-old son and a 1-year-old daughter. Which means I was doing this work <laughs> before I was a parent. <laughs> right. So why? Um, I think
2: a lot of women feel a calling to midwifery or childbirth or what it means to hold space for the process of motherhood of going from being an individual who only worries about the needs of an individual to what does it mean to become a mother when you're called (coughs) to midwifery you think oh let me get started a lot of women get started become with a doula training or being a doula as a vision of themselves as a midwife literally or figuratively Um, and uh, this is how we got started and we saw it was, it was sort of a vision of what could be for families.
4: Jody, you said that doulas are that missing link for emotional support between doctors and the partner who may not have as much experience. This is an interesting idea that, you know, that, that we have sort of, we have the need for multiple layers of support in birth.
3: I think the way I said it was that we kind of make up a chair um, and that the birthing mom and their partner are two legs um, the birthing partner knows that that individual who's birthing very well and then you add in a doula and you've got um, someone who knows birth well and individuals has an idea of how people interact and can read facial expressions and um, really gel that room together and then you have the the doctors or the midwives who provide that back to the seat who are are there for support and are really overseeing the whole process but are kind of in and out and so having some additional support I think is so valuable so that you can look across to a partner and say with your eyes or with a thumbs up that this is exactly the sound that you want to hear or this is really hard but she's doing this and and we're going to keep moving forward Um, and just encouragement um, for or something that's unknown is really valuable.
4: That is an important point, is that there's a lot of unknown associated with this. We get to see what is on television. We get to see those births. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we go through one birth of our own, and we know what that was like, or we watch a sister give birth. But every birth, even for an individual woman, is so different. I was just talking to a woman yesterday who is on her seventh birth and is
3: thinking about becoming a doula. And I talked to her about how even seven, she didn't see a lot of repetition, that each one had its very unique properties and and timing.
4: So tell me about um, sort of the history of... Doulas. I know that there weren't when I was at the main medical center. Doulas were just starting to have more of a presence there when I was delivering babies there and at Mercy when I was in my training in family medicine. Um, I think they have a significant presence, especially in Portland, but also really throughout the state now, and it's growing. Um, I was more familiar with um, nurse midwives. What's the difference between a midwife and a doula, and what is the why are doulas so I guess so important in conjunction. I think when birthing
3: wasn't in the hospital, we used to see a lot of doulas that probably weren't called doulas. They were called friends. They were called sisters. They were called aunts, grandmothers, people who were around for you while you were laboring, who were making you food or making sure that other kids were taken care of or walking the dog or, you know, bringing a, a warm washcloth or a cold washcloth, whatever, whatever the situation needed, and then as birth came into hospitals, so they were attending. They were tending people, um, and it could have been your husband or your partner as well then. Um, and then birth came into hospitals, and you know society changed. And so, oh, well, you're going to go off, and other people will help you take care of that. And you'll come back, and you'll have a baby. And so we lost that, that family, that community piece of birthing, which was so integral to having it happen in a way that felt right to women. Not necessarily familiar, but there was encouragement to keep going and stay the path and so i think bringing that back bringing um, people back into the birthing scene, and having some support is good. It could be a parent, it could be a sister, it could be an aunt. But what's important is it's somebody who has familiarity with birth. And unfortunately, when birth came to hospitals, a lot of us lost that. So we didn't. We weren't there when our sisters gave birth, or we weren't there with our when our brothers' wives were giving birth, or you know, even you know, an aunt or uncle, something like that. Um, So I think familiarity with birth is important, and having somebody who has that one step away so you're invested, but the emotional investment, you can keep a clear head around. Um, That kind of support is valuable.
4: The goal of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is to help make connections between the health of the individual and the health of the community. The goal of Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes is to deepen our appreciation for the natural world. Here to speak with us today is Ted Carter.
6: I um, am always amazed at how much the land speaks to us if we just stop and pay attention. I will very often place gazing rocks, which I call gazing rocks because uh, it's a big, huge slab of stone that I place in the landscape where you can lie on your back and look at the stars, or you can reflect and dream about things and places you want to go to. But I often go to these places, they're called power places. Uh, My shaman that I worked with in the desert for many years talked to me about power places. And I go out there and leave the drafting table, go out to this special spot that I've created, lie on my back, and instantly almost fall into a dream state and uh, there's something called creative visualization which I think a lot of people know about and I'll just sort of turn that design slowly in my mind and look and see the design from different angles and sort of create it in a very sort of dreamlike state and then I return back to the drafting table refreshed and ready to design and Time and time again, it's never failed me that this is how some of my most creative designs take shape. I'm Ted Carter, and if you'd like to contact me, I can be reached at tedcarterdesign.com.
4: The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast understands the importance of the health of the body, mind, and spirit. Here to talk about the health of the body is Travis Bullier of Premier Sports, a division of Black Bear Medical.
5: The Book of Life has so many chapters. While we can't guarantee how many or how long each will be, we can control some of its content. Black Bear Medical knows we are all plagued with challenges, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Our goal is to help you and your entire family be literate in the ways of your wellness to minimize those challenges. Information leads to knowledge, and knowledge leads to power. Empower yourself to be a better you. Visit our locations in Portland and Bangor to see how our approach to you and your family's wellness goes beyond medical equipment, medical supplies, and sports health products. It's not just products. It's a plan and a promise to help you rewrite the chapters of your life. Visit blackbearmedical.com or like us on Facebook for continual information on you and your family's wellness.
0: Experience chef and owner Harding Lee Smith's newest hit restaurant. Boone's Fish House and Oyster Room, Maine seafood at its finest. Joining sister restaurants The Front Room, The Grill Room, and The Corner Room, this newly renovated two-story restaurant at 86 Commercial Street on Custom House Wharf overlooks scenic Portland Harbor. Watch lobstermen bring in the daily catch as you enjoy baked stuffed lobster, raw bar, and wood-fired flatbreads. For more information, visit www.theroomsportland.com.
4: Jody, you teach a well—I guess you facilitate a welcoming pregnancy class. I do. So, yeah. Well, I have two questions. First, I wanted to know why the word facilitate is so important, <laughs> because you both, before we got on um, right. air, talked about the word facilitate. And then I also want to know what does it mean to welcome pregnancy.
3: So we choose facilitate over teach um, because we are there as a A guardian of your time um, and encouraging you to learn information and hear information um, from different people and different sources and pick and choose what's going to work well for you. And so from the very beginning, we try to encourage you to make choices that will change your family in ways that you may not have grown up, your friends may not have gone through their pregnancies or parenting with, um, and pick what's right for your family. So we facilitate you getting information, um, having conversations, mulling it over, speaking it out loud, in an effort to kind of grow that 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 role of parenting, moving it forward. Um, the welcoming pregnancy class is it fills a gap that we see between when you recognize in the bathroom that you're pregnant and or at the at the doctor's office and you kind of can get those first doctor's appointments or midwifery appointments. So there are weeks and months in the middle that you're kind of out there Googling and Googling and Googling. And our encouragement is to step away from the computer and to come to a place where you can meet other families who are in the same time frame as you are, wondering some of the same questions, having already found answers that worked for them, having found nothing that worked for them yet, and everyone coming together so that they can start gelling as a new community. And that's what we do. Month after month, we gel new groups of people, who then move forward as we call them flocks, um, and grow. And there are flocks that are five years old now, and um, people stay together and they count on each other. And so those very first few weeks, um, where you come to a welcoming pregnancy group, and you get some of your questions um, talked about, and you f- start finding out why people are choosing their provider, why they aren't choosing a. Provider and you figure out who, what provider might work for you and you're encouraged to try another one, um, you know, whatever works. You get questions um, talked about what is a doula. You get questions um, like what should I purchase, what should I not purchase, how should I tell my family, when should I tell my family. All of those kinds of things are talked about so that you can start making decisions that are right for your family.
4: That's a good point because I, I, I remember with even my last child, the one who's now 13, thinking, you know, I learned I was pregnant. She was, we always call her, she's our surprise. She's one of, we have two surprise children, the first and the last. But anyway, so then I was like just left there with this surprise, surprise third child that didn't have a doctor's appointment until, I don't know, eight weeks or 10 weeks or whatever it was. And there was so much time that kind of elapsed with me doing exactly as you said looking online and even as a doctor just kind of tuning into what symptoms i should be feeling and And you're probably right that I would have been better served to kind of reach out and actually have these conversations with people around me.
3: Well, it's so unique when you get to talk to someone who's going through it or has Mm -hmm. just reached over their first trimester and is finally not feeling poorly anymore. And um, hearing experiences of people who are in the throes of it is very different than hearing how it was for your sister two years ago or, um, you know, how it was for your mother you know, 30 years ago. So there's real value in having that community.
2: For me, facilitation is so important because it's not so much of a teacher telling other people how to achieve a certain outcome as it is a couple of things are happening. I always encourage new families to get really good at two things. Listen to other people, lots of other people, and then listen to yourself and make sure you're doing both of those. If you're only listening to yourself, you might get down a wrong path. But if you're only listening to other people, you're not sort of developing your own internal muscle or strength that you'll need over and over again as a parent. There's so much that happens throughout the pregnancy and the labor that is all just in preparation for the parenting that you'll be doing. So taking that opportunity as it's presented to you to develop that internal strength, that internal knowing of what is right for you, or maybe won't work for you, even though it did work for your friend. Um, So listening Equally to other people and to yourself, but also a concept um, that's part of facilitation is encouraging what is known as crowdsourcing. Though generally crowdsourcing is done online, we do more of face to face crowdsourcing where someone says, I, I'm struggling with a sleep issue or I'm struggling with a fussy Heartburn. colic or yeah, or pregnancy issue. And rather than the quote unquote teacher saying, Well, here's the solution to that problem, what the facilitator does is says, Is anybody else struggling with that? Well, what have you tried? And so then the time Topic now comes up, and we hear from eight or ten different people what they tried, what their doctor told them, what somebody else's best friend told them. And so now on the table, we have 12 ideas, and everyone gets to take from the 12 ideas on the table what sounds right to them um, because they. They have insider knowledge of why one idea might or might not work for their body, their baby, their partner, their family circumstance. Um, So it's more accurate, I think. um,
3: What, What that grows is an ability to count on the people around you and your community. And a respect for the pluralism that Birthroots really works hard to create, in that you might have done it one way and she might have done it another way, and he said that we should only do it this way, and this is what works for me because I heard all of those things and I heard it from people who are doing the same thing that I am, and I trust right them. Right now. I mean, right. the
2: way, the things, the. The trends versus the standard of care versus, uh, I mean, I had children four years apart, and what was recommended to me even four years later, I mean, you're a different person, the culture at large is different. Those circumstances change by the year, and so being in a room full of people who are currently facing what you're facing under the same set of circumstances is so valuable, as opposed to reading it in a book, Googling it, or hearing it from maybe a a pediatrician or or a care provider who you know, their children are 25, and so um, not that, you know, they don't have lots of valuable things to contribute, but it might be what you needed to hear is that the mother sitting next to you who also has a six-week-old baby feels this way, and so do you. So there's actually maybe not a clinical problem. There's just, oh, this is hard. And just like labor was hard, we can find our way through the hard part. And That's okay.
4: So there is a bit of, there's a normalizing effect. Normalizing, Yeah. there's
2: normalizing that what I'm experiencing is perfectly normal because 10 other moms in the room are feeling it. Or, wow, 10 other moms in the room aren't experiencing what I'm experiencing. Maybe I should talk to my doctor about
4: this. And I think that's just as important. As a doctor who no longer delivers babies, but at one time very much enjoyed doing that, um, one of the things that I encountered a lot was a a family that had worked so hard to create a birth plan. Mm -hmm. And we had created such a great relationship. And, you know, they were looking forward to their baby, and they'd done all their reading, and they had done their breathing, and they had gone to the right classes, and everything was all laid out. And then things just didn't turn out the way that they had hoped. Sometimes they needed a C-section, or sometimes they wanted to breastfeed and they couldn't breastfeed. And sometimes it was so devastating for them and they would judge themselves so harshly for that, or they'd feel this great disappointment that I've somehow failed my birth. Is this something that you can help women with? I think that's
2: one of the primary roles of both the doula in her non-clinical role in attention, as well as an organization like Birthroots, which I think of as an organizational doula. Um, because uh, there's a phenomenon out there where if a birth goes very much not the way a mom had planned, a common thing that gets said to a mom is, well, at least you have a healthy baby, which completely invalidates... Um, her own well-being, her own process, her own needs in the process of becoming a mother as though mothers have no needs. They just live to make sure they have healthy children. Um, And we always say when you have a relaxed mom, you have a relaxed baby. When you have a stressed mom, you have, you know, that sort of. So I think that the, sorry, it's okay. (laughs) Um, The natural word is something that women can torture themselves with. And I think that Um, staying present for what is, again, the labor, the pregnancy, the labor, the birth, the postpartum, and parenting. Um, Parenting isn't always what you set out, you know, the course you set out yourself. And if you have multiple children, you find out, wow, this one child is really amenable to my ideas of myself as a parent, and this other child has no interest in the style of parenting that I want to parent. And I think that if people can get that while they're either pregnant, giving birth, or in the first year, they're miles ahead for what's coming. So set in the context of the supportive doula support, or community support, um, it's easier to wrap your start wrapping your head around Um, where utmost flexibility is important, you can do everything right sometimes in life, in parenting, in birth, um, and still be asked to be even more flexible than you thought you were going to have to be. So I think doulas um, encourage ideas that maybe a family hadn't thought of, and it increases the likelihood that they'll get the birth they're hoping to have. But then doulas are there for a grieving process of, wow, we have a healthy baby, but I'm kind of bummed that I didn't get to birth in the water, or um, it was either so fast that it was nothing like I imagined, or it was so long that I'm exhausted, and my first few days of meeting my child, I just was too exhausted to enjoy it. I think to discount the process that a woman or a family needs to make sense of their experience or uh, play with the narrative of what happened and create a narrative that, um, makes them feel strong and makes sense to them, as opposed to leaves them feeling incapable, is extremely important. And I don't think that is falls under the job description of an obstetrician to help people work with their narrative about what happened.
4: <laughs> so, well, I'd like to. I think some obstetricians are very good about that, and some it's just not what they it's not their experience. And I think you're you're you've hit on something that. Um, it could also just be that if you're an obstetrician and you have 10 minutes to see a patient, right. there's some time involved in this, right? I
2: think um, all all of the doctors I've ever encountered have a huge heart, and that's why they're there. But they're a lot of what either a doula or an organization like Birthroots can do is fill in some gaps that have been created by some, the economic system we have or whatever. It has, It's not. We don't live in an entirely pro-family, pro-mother, pro-well-being situation and so trying to fill in those gaps with human beings such as doulas or other parents can make a huge difference um, in people's stress levels
3: and I think that's the bottom line is stress levels I think that's absolutely true. I was at a birth yesterday morning where um, I was working with a nurse at Maine Med that I know, I've worked with before, although it's been a a few months, and I I said, do you want to come in here? You know, they, they come into nursing because they have a love, and especially labor and delivery, of that process. And she was busy charting some information, and I encouraged her to, you know, move closer. And she's like, no, it's so great you're here because I need to get this done. And so there's a real there's a real lack and need um, and um, appreciation for everyone's job, um, especially when there's more support for everyone. So you never know who you'll be supporting. We often joke that you should have doulas for everything. You should have a dog doula, house buying doula, right? (laughs) Right. A dog doula. Birthday
4: party doula. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually kind of sad that I My youngest is 13 and I'm pretty much done (laughs) (laughs) because I'm so it's so exciting to hear what you now are offering in the Portland area and around the state. It's so exciting Mm -hmm. to know that this is the way that women and families and children are being supported because I do think this is what we need. We need to focus on the family until you actually have somebody there who who says this is important and let's let's facilitate this process. Let's slow it down. My
2: goodness people I think parents are under an outrageous amount of stress to get an undoable amount of work done in an undoable amount of time. And then they wonder, why can't I keep up? Why am I so exhausted? And I think the wiser women of the community, women who've experienced this and sort of gone through a hard time, come out on the other side and have perspective on what that time is about, are able to say, okay, let's start with slowing things down. And I think doulas slow things down as part of their what they're there to do is, wow, you just had a baby. Rather than <laughs> let's rush on to the next thing that's going to happen. Let's take a breath here. And, oh, wow, life has changed. How are you different than you were an hour ago or yesterday? And it makes an incredible, it alters the trajectory of the health of the family for someone to say, let's pause for a
4: minute. I love what you're doing. And um, I know that we could... We could fill it an entire hour, probably multiple hours, because I think that you're so on with where I believe that we all need to be thinking about um, health care and families. But I will encourage people to find out more about Birth Roots by going to your website, which is www.ourourbirthbirthrootsroots.org O-R-G,
3: or birthroots.org, which we have just purchased. <laughs>
4: very good and people can also go back and listen to the show that we did with with emily murray Yeah, uh, she was i'm i'm just i'm thinking she was one of our very early shows it was so important to us even back at that point mm-hmm. that we had a show on it right away so uh People would like to hear more from Emily and her sister yeah. Allison. Allison, yeah. yes, this is a family from Yarmouth I used to babysit from for. So it's uh, it's kind of funny that everything just kind of keeps coming in circles in Maine. But anyway, go to the Birthroots website to find out more about Leah Darragon and also Jody Finney. And Jody, do you have a website yourself?
2: I I do. We do I, a lot with Facebook. We That's do. What we do find a lot people. Of Facebook. So you can find Birth yeah. Roots on Facebook. Jody Finney Doula on Facebook. Um, A doula for me. A doula for me. A doula for me. And we're just so thankful that you've given voice to this because so much of um, elevating what's happening is um, bringing it into the cultural discourse of how are we all doing here? So thanks for...
3: I think it's also worthy to note that um, doulas do charge for their services, but it is not by any means a requirement to have a doula who charges. That you can find a doula who wants to barter with you, who wants to do a payment plan, who is just starting out. I have a very good friend who only does pro bono work. Like there, there are doulas for everyone, regardless of um, how much they charge or you want to pay, um, and. And I think meeting someone who resonates with you is the most important piece first, and then to figure out the financial piece second. Um, you can definitely start. We train nearly 30 doulas a year um, throughout New England. They come from throughout New England to Portland. And so we have access to a great pool of people who have had six months of experience, three months of experience, four years of experience, ten years of experience. So.
4: We've been speaking with Leah Darragon, the founding director of Birthroots Perinatal Resource Center in Portland, and uh, private doula Jody Finney, who also works with Birth Roots. Um, thank you so much for all the work that you do and for um, this generation of healthy families that you're promoting um, and for coming in and talking to us today. You're very welcome. Thank you. You have been listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 139, The Birth Team. Our guests have included Jody Finney, Leah Darragon, and Dr. Ann Rainville. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit doctorlisa.org. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Dr. Lisa Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram as Bountiful1. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. I hope that you have enjoyed our birth team show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day on Mother's Day. May you have a bountiful life.
0: The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Dream Kitchen Studios, Harding Lee Smith of The Rooms, and bangor savings bank the dr lisa radio hour and podcast is recorded in the studio of maine magazine at 75 market street portland maine our executive producers are kevin thomas susan grisanti and dr lisa Belial. our assistant producer is leanne wimet audio production and original music by john c mccain our online producer is kelly clinton The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is available for download free on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details.